My name is Terrell. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'll pass around picture so you can see the manifestation of the disease in the physical realm. Um, my job this morning is to let you know, it says in the big book, that I'm to tell the person my experience with compulsive overeating, then what happened. But I have to convince you that I'm one of you. Because if I don't convince you that I'm one of you, you won't believe me. Right? You're just going to go like, oh yeah, whatever. So my job as a compulsive reader to share my experience is to, for you to go like, he gets it. He gets it. So let me give you some snippets of information about my eating past. My eating past was that I um, was 325 pounds. That's my top weight somewhere. I really don't know what my top weight is. The scale weight was a 300-pound scale. But I get on the scale, and it would weigh 160. I get off. I get back on the scale. weigh 220. I get off. Get back on. It's 280. So I don't, know if the, I don't think the metal supported more than 300 pounds. I confer with my brother, who is also a compulsive overeater, and we both had the same experience, which I just found out he had the same experience that I did about the scale, the family scale. So I don't know what my top weight is. Um, it could be... 350, it could be 325, it could be something. Also in that picture, there's a picture of me on a boat and that's at my bottom weight, which is 160, um, which I maintained with uh, what I call a donut diet, which is you don't eat anything all day long except nine or 10 donuts at two o'clock in the morning as you're driving home from a discotheque to cope with all those feelings and all that stuff that I had to deal with. So I know both realms of the spectrum. Um, I also know that as a compulsory reader, I, I will never be thin enough, period. Let's just be very clear. I will never be thin enough. No matter what size I am, I will never be thin enough. And I got this from an uh, anorexic who came to me after, the, after a meeting many, many, many years ago. It was after the Ohio Street Maintainers. And uh, she, she heard that I had a lot of weight loss, and she wanted to talk to me about how she wanted to like, lose weight. Now, this woman was anorexic. She was skeletal. Looked like she just got out of Auschwitz. But she was concerned about how fat she was. And I, it occurred to me that if this woman's going to be concerned about her, about her being fat, when will I be thin enough? And the answer comes back, never. Never. Um, I, I was told by a doctor that if I did not stop eating sugar... I'd be blind within a year from my diabetes or hypoglycemia. Um, I then put on 30 pounds in six weeks. Um, and while I was binging, I remember thinking, I can still see. When things start to go great, that's when I'll stop. I was willing to sacrifice my eyesight for another bite of chocolate. Just one more. I never really sacrificed my eyesight. Was ever going to sacrifice my eyesight for a binge. Because I always thought I could control the binge. I didn't think the binge was, going to, binge was going to control me. I thought I could control the binge. So I was just going to have another bite of chocolate. I was just going to have another bite. You know, I'm, it's like it wasn't, I wasn't sacrificing my eyesight for a binge. I knew better than that. But I was going to sacrifice for one more bite of chocolate. The problem is, in the doctor's opinion, it says that I can have the obsession of the mind. And the mind will tell me, go get that eat that. Wouldn't that sound delicious? Oh, that sounds lovely. Yes, let's go get that. But once I take that first bite, the compulsion kicks in. 
This is in the big book, by the way. So if you don't know where this is in the big book, start reading the big book. <laughs> the compulsion will kick in, and then I have no choice but to eat. And what I'm doing is I'm feeding the addiction. I'm not eating because I'm hungry. I'm not eating because it tastes good. I'm not eating because I want it. I'm eating because I have to. Have you ever eaten because you had to? Because you had no choice, but you had to eat. Have you ever walked around the room shaking your hands because you want to eat so bad that you just feel like you're crawling out of your skin because you just want to friggin' eat? If you're not in your head, yes, that means you might be a compulsive overeater. This program is very clear about this. By the, uh, also, uh, oh, I should qualify also. I have 37 years of abstinence. Um, so that's, and I, I always put this disclaimer out whenever I speak. I'm an opinionated O-timer. Get over it. When you get friggin' 37 years, you come talk to me, right? And at that time, I'll have more time. And I got news for you. There is a big difference at two years abstinent than 37 years abstinent. At two years abstinent, I was in a sick, sick, sick relationship with a man who, the reason why I, I wanted him as my partner was because he used to be a hustler and men used to pay him to have sex with him. And I thought, and he's giving it to me for free. Second year of abstinence. Second year. So you think you get staying in one year? In one day? One week? Second year of abstinence. I cut my hand trying to pull a knife away from him because he was starting to slash the sofa. Second year of abstinence. Crazy. Crazy, right? Nowadays, I would never be in that relationship. And I'd look at that man and go like, Slash the sofa. It's just a piece of furniture. Right? Back then I had to be right or I had to be something, you know? And I always jokingly say, but it's just so true. If you've got one year of abstinence and you want to get in this relationship or so forth, I go, go for it. I love high drama. <laughs> we love high drama. We come in with high drama. We continue to express that high drama. It doesn't get ground like that. What happens is in day one, we might stop binging, but we still have this. We still have this brain. And this brain is what let us seek excess food. This brain is what makes me crazy. This brain is what I come to 12-step program for. I could go to a weight loss program and lose weight. I maintained my weight at 160 pounds on the donut diet. I don't need you people to lose weight. I don't need you people to lose weight. What happened was, I came into a program the first time when I was 17, lost the weight, didn't work a 12-step program, worked a great food plan, went out. Didn't need the 12-step program. 17, I also probably don't know if I was ready to deal with it. Had to come back in 75 pounds heavier. Do I judge retreads? Hell no. I mean, I got out to 75, then I discovered the wonderful world of fasting. You know, where you don't eat all day long. That got how I got down to 160 pounds. I then went to Europe, put on 30 pounds in six weeks. Came back to program. Thought, so, okay, I'm done. Oh my God, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice my eyesight for chocolate. Not done. After three months, I got lost my weight and I got self-righteous. I don't need you people. I don't want to be a compulsive reader. To this day, I do not welcome this disease. To this day, I'm not a compulsive eater who's grateful I'm a compulsive overeater. I friggin' hate the fact that I'm a compulsive overeater. But I am. I am a compulsive overeater. Do you know what that means? I seek excess food. I don't want to seek excess food. 
but I do. What happens was, I got, I didn't need you, it became more important to go dancing with the boys in Palm Springs than to be coming to OA. So I wound up binging on two pieces of toast on January 5th, 1975. And some of you know, that's my last binge, two pieces of toast. But when I ate the toast, I thought about my donut and I knew I was off and running. I knew I was out the door. And I got scared. So scared. I had three months of clarity and sanity by work being in program. And it was just like, donuts, I'm going to get my donuts. And I got so scared. And not scared of weight gain. I had maintained my weight at 160 pounds. I don't need you folks to lose weight. I need you folks to fix my brain. So what happened is I went out. I mean, I ate those two pieces of toast and I got scared. And I came back and I got absent on January 6th, 1976. And that's my abstinent date. I want to thank Jack for being my warm-up act last week. Um, that is my, that's my abstinent date. And the reason why I'm still absent is because I don't want to binge. I do not want that feeling of self-hatred. That feeling of wake up in the morning going like with this greasy skin and this coated mouth and just hating yourself. Do you know what I mean by hating yourself because of what you did the night before? And then you wake up and go like, I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm not going to eat lunch. And then you hate yourself. And just hate. Not even, I mean, pitiful and immoral, you know, what is it? Decompensation and moralization. Just horrible. I don't want that lifestyle anymore. So I come to Overs Anonymous. Overs Anonymous says, you're screwed. You're screwed, right? You're effed up, right? You are so effed up. Yeah, you got this eating problem, but it's your head. It's your thinking. My new thing right now is we change the hearts and minds of people. It's a new phrase out there, right? We're going to go change the hearts and minds of, of the, the Iraqis. We're going to change the hearts and minds of... I, here in way, we're going to change your hearts and mind. Because we... I read it this morning in a book that said, we come in here, we change our motivation and our thoughts. That's what Overeaters Almost does. It changes my motivation. Why am I doing this? Before I came in, it was, what about me and my needs? What about me and my needs? Don't you take, take, do you understand how horrible of a childhood I have? Don't you, wait, don't you understand that I need to be taken care of because of what you did to me? And I'm going to show you how freaking miserable you made me, so I'm going to be miserable now. Maybe you never had that experience where you got self-righteous or became a martyr and thought, I'll show those people. I'm not going to shine because if I shine, then it's going to prove them that they were wrong or they were whatever. So what happens is I, I had to change my, my opinion, of my motivation of the world. And not like, okay, do you like me? What, about, what do you think about me? And what do you like? And like? It was more about like, okay, my motivation now is I'm going to try and lead a spiritual life. A spiritual life. Which means I look at everyone as integrity as like we're all children of the stars, right? We're all children of the stars. And it means that I'm not worse than or better than. There's no imaginary ladder of worth that it talks about in the big book. So if you don't know where that is, read the big book. You'll find it. This imaginary ladder of worth, maybe it's in the OA 12 and 12. I think it's in the OA 12 and 12. This imaginary ladder of worth. If you don't know where it is in the OA 12 and 12, read the OA 12 and 12. When I came in, we were told, read the literature. Read the literature. That's our textbook. 37 years ago, it was different. It was different. 
And I don't know if it was for the better or for the worse, but I know is that we used to have these huge meetings. Huge meetings. There was a 100-pounder meeting at the Federal Building Cafeteria. would have hundreds of people in it every Thursday night. It was one of my home groups. Just like this is my home group. This is my home group now. What does that mean? It means that I schedule my life around this meeting. I don't schedule this meeting around my life. Because I have to show up here at this meeting. Because when I show up at this meeting and I'm sitting in the corner, you know if I'm not there, I missed. Right? And I look and see who's here in these meetings. Because if you're not there, you're missed. God bless to have... I remember when you came in. Maybe some of you remember when she came in. It was a year ago. She sat in the back and she raised her hand and asked about, what about dates? Can I give up dates? And we all looked at her with love and said, keep coming back. <laughs> and, and not only has she changed physically, she's changed emotionally. There's this... this right. But still, that's, that's why we come to a program, right? Because that's why we come to meetings. Because I get to see Daphne change. I get to see her stand up and do service. She called me and said, I can't cover my service commitment that, I, that I'm now covering for someone else. Can you cover it for me? That's how this program works. This program is about hearts and minds changing the way I think. If you read our bit literature, if you read the big book, you're going to see a lot of words about change. Now, if you read the doctor's opinion, which is my favorite section of the big book, and the reason why it's my favorite section of the big book is because it talks about, from a medical's perspective, I'm not very much into kumbaya and, I, you know, I place my hand in yours because I care, I place my hand in yours because I care, or I've done retreats where, you know, we do the jelly roll wrap of a hug. I, I, like, <laughs> but I don't have to, right? I don't have to. But what happens is, um, I forgot where I was going. Ugh. Hmm? Oh, the doctor's opinion is, is a scientific analysis of this program. It's a scientific analysis of the 12-step program that basically says, as a compulsive overeater, which, by the way, if you've got a big book, I strongly recommend that you cross out the AL and the holic, which thing that gives you the initial CO, and then it becomes your big book, compulsive overeater. And you cross out alcohol and put food. When they talk about the, doc, the guy who made the experiment with a shot of bourbon in his glass of milk, you'd be surprised if you put a shot of a scoop of ice cream in that place. <laughs> I had a full stomach, had a shot of ice cream. And it's, uh, I put a scoop of ice cream in my... It's not a lot of sugar. What difference does it make, right? Like, like, it's just loose. Like, it works for me. I got it. Then I'd be like, oh, that was a great... Ex- that worked. Let me try another one. Let me order another glass of milk and put the scoop of ice cream in. See, I'm proving the point. Oh, I'll order another one. See, I'm proving the point that I can handle this. And if you read that part in the big book, you're going, man, you just ordered three glasses of milk with ice scoops of ice cream. What makes you think that's a normal reaction? That's not normal for it. And I see normal people. And I'll give another opinion. There are normal people. There are normal people out there, but as a compulsory to end my disease, I don't like them. (laughs) The reason why 
I don't like them is because they make me feel less than. They make me feel less than that, and I already feel less than enough. Who here has never felt, has felt less than? Everyone. When you raised your hand and said you're a compulsive overeater, I already know what that means. It means you're petty. Means you get you're sensitive, very sensitive. Your feelings get hurt easily. Like, I, oh my God, I just, uh, you know what? I, I'm just gonna. I, I, my good time is to pull the drapes and watch the TV with some food around me. That's a good time. That's a party. That is a party, right? It also means that you have this, this emotional immaturity that is documented by psychiatrists that we don't like to be told. That you're childish. No, I'm childlike. No, you're childish. (laughs) This program is meant for it to rework my brain. The steps are meant to rewire my brain, to rewire my thinking. It is not meant for me to, to weigh and measure food. It is meant for me to rewire my brain. And as I rewire my brain, I don't want to seek excess food. That's the miracle of this program, is if I change my heart and my mind, you want to call it your spiritual condition and your emotional condition, if you change those conditions, your motivations and conditions, we will not seek excess food. It doesn't become appealing for us. As the big book says, we recoil us from a hot flame, or is that the AA 12 and 12? Why don't you read it and let me know. Get that to me. Right? So, I have five minute warning. This is my home group. And what I saw last week scared me. Scared me. We have some unfinished business here. That we cannot, I cannot ingest. You want to know how I work a program? Because that's what the, that's what the, the raising the hands is about, right? Carol, how do you work a program? How do you get 37 years? How do you keep it fresh after 37 years? The answer is because I'm a compulsive reader and I want to seek excess food, and food keeps it fresh for me. John Barleycorner is our best advocate. John, you need to... Um, we have positions to fill, service positions to fill. And those need to be filled before I can continue. Because that, that I do not want to lose this home group. And I've seen home groups come and go. I've lost home groups because people were not willing to be of service. And I see the rotation of service and I see the same people do service. This is not meant to make anyone feel guilty. But I am concerned that I will lose this meeting. This meeting that I love so much. That you see me sit in whenever I'm in town. I schedule my life around this meeting. What are some service positions that we still have available? We can't get a greeter, right? We have, we're short on a greeter. We're short on cleanup. Treasure and... No, you and I are treasure. I'm also literature. Oh, we need a literature person. You know, and that's where I look at this and go like, Oh my God, don't make me lose my meeting. Don't make me lose my meeting. And I know, I look around, I know some of you see this as your meeting too. This is your home group. And, you know, it's like I've gone to a door where I needed a meeting so bad and the door is locked. And it's a horrible feeling. 
And that's the way ovaries and amas dies. That's the way it dies. Now, I talked to my sponsor about this. And she said that I was to tap you on the head, not hit you with a two by four. (laughs) You know, and that's what I just want to do, like, tap, tap. We can lose this meeting because people don't get service. And I want to talk about the seventh tradition. The seventh tradition says you are self-supporting to your own contributions. Do you see where it says money in there? There's nothing written about money in that, in that statement. Our own contributions means, yes, I will clean up. Yes, I will show up and be a greeter. Yes, I'll be the treasurer. Yes, I'll be the secretary. Yes, I'll set up literature. Because, believe me, to, if we don't, to eat is to die. If you don't believe to eat is to die, go eat. Go eat. It's the best thing you can do. If you do not believe that a binge is going to take you out. I believe that if I pick up a German chocolate cake, if I take one bite of a German chocolate cake, which is not on my absence, if I take one bite, I'm gone. Because I made a conscious decision to go and say, screw everyone in OA, screw God, screw everything. I, I rather turn to, I rather turn to a German chocolate cake. There's, there's nothing worse than that. To be in that hell. To be in that hell. And the mind and the spirit, well, the spirit will die and then the body will catch up. If you don't believe it, there's enough people in this room that have gone out, did the exploratory work for us, and came back and said, still don't work. Still was not the answer. And luckily, by sitting in a home group, I get to see people do exploratory work for me and go, Terrell, it didn't work. I thought there was another way. This relationship became more important. The job became more important. Overs Anonymous is the most important thing in my life. It is what enabled me to have the most fabulous, wonderful life. Beyond my wildest dreams. Oh, I hate quoting Roseanne. Um, but I, it's, it's amazing. My life is so good. I'm so comfortable in my own skin. And you, if you look at my life, you might go, huh? They call that a life. But for me, it works. It works. So it's time to pass the basket. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need to identify yourself. Um, if being, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Siva. Um, personal relationships. I have integrity. Oh, the question was, how do I, how do I, how my relationships today, maybe compared to how they were before? Before, I would say I was very, very needy, and 
you can never give me enough love. And I would try to manipulate you so that you would give me enough love. Um, and there was never enough. Today, I, I believe in acceptance. My friends, in and out program, I love with action, right? I try to show up and be a friend. Loving, service when need be, make amends when I did something wrong, and I still make mistakes. Um, the amazing thing about step 10 is it said you're going to make a mistake. Now go clean it up. That's what step 10 says to me. No matter how long you've been in this program, you're going to make a mistake. Go clean it up. Integrity is the way I treat how my relationships today. In work, I'm respected and loved in my field. I went to an event the other day and a friend of mine who's, who's also in that field was saying, oh my God, you're just so popular in this field. I am self-employed. My clients love me and I'm told constantly that, that basically they do not how they run their business without me, that they love me. And I believe them. But it's not because of something that I'm special. I'm just sharp being of service. I look at my clients as as an opportunity for me to be of service. How can I go wrong? I also build them for it because I'm also worth something. And I'm expensive. But worth it. And they know it. So I bring integrity to there. Don't lie, cheat, or steal to them. Question over here? Or other question? Stephen. So the first, uh, the question is when did when did the gift to come into program? I was 17. I was looking at graduating high school. I felt like I just wasted four years of high school being fat because my, my life was wasted because I was fat, which is a shame to think about. But my I didn't have a very, I didn't have a very socially interactive life. I, I had a good in relationship with the TV. I had a good relationship with food. I guess. You know. But I didn't have a good relationship with exterior people. I was going to go to college. I knew I was going to waste four years of college because I was fat. Um, and I knew I was going to waste the rest of my life because I was fat. And I wanted to kill myself. All the time I wanted to kill myself. To do you the favor. And I talk about this very clearly. It was to do you the favor. If I killed me, you would be happier. Um, self-centered in the max, right? So when I had that, I had that moment of clarity. And my, my, my parents had joined AA. And they, my stepfather was haranguing me one day. I mean, it mercilessly haranguing me about a fat-ass kid. Why don't you get out and do some, get some friends. All you do is lay around this house and watch TV. You know, do something. I said, if I could, I would. And I know somehow I wound up to an OA meeting. And I was willing. Because I knew I was wasting my life. Uh, the second time when I lost 160, when I lost the weight the second time was because I came out of the closet and I wanted to get guys. And before that, they told me if I, get, if I lose the weight, I'll get the girls. I wasn't interested. Um, the third time 
was because I was beaten by 30 pounds in six weeks in such shame. I was dating some guy and I came back from Europe and I didn't even look him up. I, had, I met him many years later and had to make amends because he said, what happened to you? And I was too embarrassed to call him and say, hey, I'm back. Um, the last time the two pieces of toast, I just can't do it one more time. They told me the door will always swing out. They never know if the door will swing back in. And I just can't do it one more time. I can't. Do you know that hell? That hell of the binge? Not, not, not like, not the physical hell. This hell. This hell and this hell. Like, so I, that was the clarity. Another question. Um, it's an interesting question because I, I, this gets asked all the time. 37 years is different every day. 37 years is different every year. Every decade, it's different. I mean, I've gone through hour of meditation, you know, sitting in meditation for an hour. Well, let's talk about today. That's 37 years, right? And I want to be clear, 37 years is different than 37 hours. It's different than 37 days. Different than 37 months. It's different. And it's better. Uh, 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 this is my chance to go like, back to back, day in, day out, absence. Back to back, day in, day out, absence. It changes our, our thinking. It rewires our brain. So we're not so friggin' crazy. Right? Then we still have lots of craziness, but we're not so crazy. So today... I set my alarm clock for 5.40. I wake up. I try to do a little bit of... Uh, I read it right now. I'm going over a book with a sponsee, so I'm reading the paragraph that he's reading. Um, and so I read that, and then I go into a little meditation. Then I have a phone call from one sponsee that usually lasts 5 to 10 minutes. Then I have another phone call from another sponsee that usually lasts 5 to 10 minutes. Then I try and meditate for 10 to 15 minutes. Then I go to the gym and do an hour of cardio because that's my, believe it or not, that to me is, it's transcendent for me. Just sitting there, just, and I've got TVs and the morning news shows and I'm channel surfing, but I am not thinking about, and then when I get off of here, I got to go there and then I got to do this and it puts me back in the moment, right here in the moment, right? Because that's what to me meditation is about, right here, right now, not Oh, and then when I go, I, 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 and then, you know, oh my God, didn't yesterday, I did yesterday, oh my God. You know, you know how that mind goes, where it goes to the future and goes to the past, and then you're going like, whew, right here, right now. So, the, so they do that. Then throughout the day, I try to be in the moment. Not the future, not the past. And I go there. My mind will go there. I'm a compulsive overeater. That will never change. The fact that I still seek excess food will never change. What I'm doing now for my food is I now have uh, an outside app. I put my food in. I count my calories. And uh, I don't send it to anybody. But it's very clear. If I go over my calories this today, it goes red. It's not in the green. And by doing that, I've lost probably 30 pounds in the last year. Yeah. 
You know how I gained 30 pounds? Uh, now, I, this is uh, literally, you, some of you know, a lot of you know, I had a, an appendix ruptured and a blocked intestine and I lost 30 pounds in three weeks because they put me in the hospital and they, I couldn't have food and I couldn't have water. I couldn't have nothing by mouth. Lost 30 pounds in three weeks. Came out, I was one, basically kind of the weight I am now. And then I started putting weight on. And I got back up to 210, 215 pounds. Because the rice cakes taste really good as a snack. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't consciously aware of what I was eating. Today, I'm consciously aware of what I put in my mouth. You can call it mindful eating. You can call it whatever you want. But that's how I, I I'm not, I cannot go back into ignorance because ignorance, you know, ignorance gets me to 215 pounds and climbing. Climbing because rice cakes or rice crackers, which is totally absent for me, makes a great snack. As opposed to maybe a pickle or some cherries or what, an apple or whatever. Thanks, Kurt. So could you talk about maybe the recent fear that you have faced use the program and get through it? Then maybe one day you're facing well, yesterday I financial. Two days ago I had financial insecurity. Two days ago I had I am. I wrote a check for my step IRA, um, for my step IRA, my my retirement, which kind of decimated my bank account. And that's granted, it's my money. It's in the future, but it's not in my current checking account. Um, at the same time, I had a friend who's redoing my apartment. Uh, come over and uh, we're talking about redoing my kitchen in my apartment yes I'm going to spend the money because it's my kitchen I've been there for 19 years I might as well spend money my friends say it's like kind of actually now my friends are saying it's silly because they know I'm going to be there another 10-15 years because of rent stabilization so I found out this apartment this kitchen might cost me $10,000 that same day I went out with a friend who's also an interior designer and he's going to be redecorating my house and we're looking at another fifteen to thirty thousand, twenty thousand dollars to redecorate my apartment. I got back to financial security. Um, that night I went to dinner with my brother, um, and um, it was an expensive dinner. Spent more money than it. I shouldn't say more money I should have, but it was an expensive dinner. We went to the Palm Restaurant, so you can do the math. Um, and I lambasted him because of my financial, because of my insecurity. Now, I'm not financially unstable. Let's be clear. I'm not financially unstable. I've got enough money. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm writing money for a step IRA. I've got, it's not, it's not, it's financial security. That morning I woke up and I realized it was me. It was financial insecurity. So I made amends to my brother for lambasting him. He said thank you and also thanked me for reminding him um, to be cognizant and aware. Um, because of some financial ranges we have. Um, and so I owned it. I looked at it. And so, time for another one? How do you deal with that reaction if you have 
There's a price they're going to pay for that. There's a price they will pay for that. I was... But maybe go against what I was just... When I talked today... I was, there used to be a, a meeting over here. This is basically the same type of situation. It's, um, the, there was Ohio Street maintainers. And it was, you had to have within 30 pounds, uh, uh, be within 10 pounds of your go weight or 30 days of absence to speak. Well, all these anorexics came in at that time. And so the, there was and nothing against anorexics. But they were, they, had, they were within 10 pounds of their go weight and they had... They had 30 days. And it was kind of meant to be like there was some recovery in that. Like it, but it was like there was craziness. When I took, and it was also the same time that eating disorder units became very popular with us. And so what happened was there was a huge influx of, of newcomers, crazy newcomers. And there wasn't enough old timers to go, no, baby, we don't say that. No, we don't talk like that. No, we don't go over and share our name, our public our face there. It's up to an old-timer to say something. So when there's a break of traditions, it's up to an old-timer to say something. Not to sit there and be quiet. And I don't care whether you like me or not. I don't care if I hurt your feelings or not. Because it's my ovaries anonymous, right? When I look at that, someone breaks anonymity like that, they have a price to pay. Now, if there's someone that I know, I will tell them, don't you ever do that again. And you ask something about it, you call World Service and ask them if you can do that again. And if you want to come up with some excuse, that's your piss poor excuse, because your human ego says you think you know better than our experience in Overeaters Anonymous. So there's a price they're going to pay for that. God forbid, I hope they don't break their absence, but they might. Because that means they think that they're better than us. They know better. Um, so anyway, I went to this meeting, and I was complaining to uh, someone who's got about the same time I did, about these new, these anorexics, blah, blah, blah. He said, Terrell, you let God take care of Overeaters Anonymous. You take care of your program. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So I didn't have to worry about that. That wasn't a break of traditions, right? There's a difference there. So I guess I could, I could with seeing, hearing that, then I guess I, don't, I shouldn't be lecturing about doing this service here. Right? I guess I shouldn't lecture about the in service. And hope to God that God will take care of Overeaters Anonymous. And that um, I should take care of my own program. But I don't want to see this home group leave. I do not want to see this home group dissipate. I think this meeting is very special. I think it's very special. Why aren't you 40 years? That's the first one. And then, um, you are in your bookkeeper. The other one is, um, are you someone who reworks the steps over and over, or do you work them well once and do you live in 10 months? I wrote one four step. I wrote many, 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 many 10 steps of multiple sizes. Oh, the question is, um, I, I think, oh, she left. I think I, I was like, January 5th, 1976. 40 years. No, 1979. 1979. Yeah. Yeah, I got, oh, 76 was the first one I came in. No, 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 70, no. 
1979. I'm getting old. So yeah, I, I definitely have 37 years. Okay, definitely have 37 years. Um, and then um, I came out in 1976. That was it. Um, um, let's see. Then the other thing was question was, do I work the steps multiple times or have I run? Uh, to me, the, I, I believe in one fourth step, multiple ten steps. Um, I mean, steps one, two, three, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There is no time frame on those steps, right? So, do I need to make a decision to take in my will, my life, secure my higher powers, understand it? Yes. So, do I need to meditate? Yes. So, okay, that's it. Thank you.